Good morning. Oh, that was much, much better. Hey, um, I don't know if you've ever read Columbus Monthly Magazine. It's a kind of neat magazine just to find out stuff about our city. But every year they do uh, an annual reader's poll about the things that people in, in Columbus like the most. And they give a whole bunch of different categories. Let me tell you a few of the things uh, from 2014. These were some top picks called the Best of Columbus. All right. Best Public Park. Third, Goodale Park. Second, the Scioto Mile or Bicentennial Park. And number one, Park of Roses. High Banks is good too. Yeah, Park of Roses. Uh, best place to take out-of-towners. Evidently, this is since JCPenney Outlet Store closed. Because, do you guys, this is true. At one point, more people from out-of-town went to JCPenney Outlet than anywhere else in Columbus. We were known for JCPenney Outlet. Yay. Okay, so anyway, I, I like the store too. But anyway, it, uh, here we go. Number three, North Market. Number two, the Short North. And number one, the Columbus Zoo. All right. I expected more happiness. Okay. The best parades. Number three, the UA Fourth of July Parade. It's a really cool parade. Number two, Dublin St. Patrick's Day Parade. Whoop. And number one, the Duda Parade. Only in Columbus. Best Bowling Alley, Sawmill Lanes is third, uh, Star Lanes at Polaris is second, and the Columbus Square Bowling Palace, number one. Best Farmer's Market, number three, Clintonville, number two, Worthington, number one, the North Market. Best Chinese food. Number three, Peking Dynasty, number two, Sunflower, right up on Sawmill. Number one, the China Dynasty on Lane Avenue. All right, most important category, best donuts. Number three, honey dip donuts. Number two, DK Diner. Number one, Buckeye Donuts. Hmm. Suddenly, I'm quite hungry. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> well, by nature, this list is subjective. I mean, it's what people think, and it changes every year. Um, so when Columbus Pun Monthly does their list next year, or for this year, it'll be different again. But it is different when it comes to salvation. There is no list. Jesus is the list. He is first, and there is no second place. Amen? And you know what? That's not going to change no matter what people think and how they vote. Our daughter Carmen did her undergraduate work at a uh, private um, liberal arts college in the Midwest. Very good academic school. It was founded, as many universities are, by Christian people who wanted people to have a place to learn first about God and then second about all of these other important things as well. One of her uh, scholarship opportunities was through what they call their Center for Faith and Values. And uh, I accompanied her uh, to the university, and uh, <clears throat> when she went in for that interview, um, I asked her when she came back out, I said, well, how do you think it went? And she said, well, I don't think it went 
really well. I don't think I'm going to get the scholarship. And I said, why not? And she said, well, whenever I mentioned Jesus, some of the people looked offended. And I wasn't surprised because while she was in the room, I was in the Center for Faith and Values, and I was just kind of hanging out. And a lady there who worked there said, hey, uh, are you from Columbus? I said, yeah. She said, well, I was in Columbus last weekend. And I said, oh, well, what, what were you doing in Columbus? She said, well, I was teaching a seminar on Buddhist meditation. I said, okay. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, it's, it's one thing, and it's a sad thing, when a university that was founded on Jesus changes. And again, it's very sad. and It's very unfortunate. But it's another thing when a church does that. The Washington Post reports that a church in Maryland deliberately de-emphasizes Jesus in their worship services. They did focus groups and, and some marketing, and they found out that, that people were just not so good with Jesus anymore. It's a little, little offensive. So they freely use uh, <clears throat> resources from Hinduism and, and Zen Buddhism and things like that, and they intersperse some verses of the Bible, too. And this is what one of their founders said, quote, the sad fact is the name of Jesus Christ has become, for many people, exclusionary. We're enabling people to discover God themselves, maybe through Jesus, maybe through Buddha, maybe through any number of ways, end quote. <clears throat> what they're actually helping people to discover is lies and deception. You see, Jesus is exclusive. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus should be the center of every worship service. When we take the communion emblems as we just did, those are physical reminders of a spiritual reality. And the placement of the cross today is very deliberate. It's very intentional. You, you can't get the wrong idea that when we preach Jesus, we preach through the cross. We, we talk about Jesus. That's who we are. And every time we assemble, it should always be about Jesus. The book that we're using for our side-by-side -side series obviously is the Bible, but the book that sort of compiles things for us is called The Discipleship Handbook. And you can pick up a copy in the lobby if you don't have one, or you can also get it online electronically. But here's an excerpt from this week's material. Everything in discipleship goes back to Jesus. More than any other thing, our view of his identity and mission impacts how we go about making disciples. Rather than create a, a version of Jesus that conforms to our agenda, we need to open our Bibles and ask, who is this man? What did he do? How did he do it? And how can I join in? <clears throat> in addition to the handbook, the life groups this week are going to be studying seven statements that Jesus made in the book of John. Each of them begins with, I am. One of them is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Each statement is exclusive and true. And ultimately, it's beneficial for us as followers of Jesus. And we're, we're really glad that most people are in a life group, but if you're not, 
we encourage you to sign up. You can do that today, again, in the lobby or online. Well, this morning for our primary scripture text, we're going to be using Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. It's just one of many passages that help us understand Jesus and get to know him a little bit better. So Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. We're going to have just a quick walk through this passage um, and get just a few ideas. I mean, it could be a series. It could be a book uh, in and of itself. But we're just going to quickly walk through and, and get just a few great truths. First of all, in verse 15, we see that Jesus makes the invisible God visible. Before Jesus came, at, at times God spoke through prophets, uh, spoke to people in visions. He, he used angel messengers. He even used things like a burning bush. And once he used a donkey. But, but no one saw God's face. Not even Moses, who when he was in God's presence, his, his face became radiant, and, and the people were so disturbed by it, they told him, you've got to cover your face, Moses. Even Moses, in, in whatever form he was viewing God, did not view God's face. We know this is true because in Exodus chapter 33, there's a conversation about it between Moses and God. Moses says, God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory, Lord. And God said, Moses, you can't look at my face or you will die. So Moses, do this. There's a rock and there's a, there's a crevice there. You go stand in that. And I will walk past. And as God walked past, he used his hand to shield the eyes of Moses. So he did not see God's face. And then God passed and allowed Moses to see God walking away. We need to understand that Jesus is God walking toward us. Jesus not only lets us see his face, he lifts up our head so that we see him and look into his eyes. You've heard the, the words of the old song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Verse 16. For by him all things were created. The word that we translate all things is a Greek word, pas. And it's much more, it's bigger than what we understand in, in the English. John uses the same word in the opening dialogue, his prologue to his gospel, when he says, all things, pass, were created by him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been 
created. Jesus created everything, all things, the whole enchilada, <laughs> pas. It's hard for us to get our heads around what that really means. Here are a couple ways that might help. <clears throat> for example, think big. Think size of the universe kind of big. In one second, light travels far enough to circumnavigate the globe seven times. In one second. There are 31 million seconds approximately in a year. And so, in one year, light travels far enough to go around the earth 217 million times. That's a light year, all right? So think, try to get that into your head. <clears throat> the closest star to our earth, besides our sun, is Proxima Centauri, which is 4.24 light years from earth. That is, again, at light speed, you would, you would be able to go around the earth approximately a billion times. That's like a quadrillion, sextillion, bajillion trips up Sawmill Road, okay? If that helps you out. But this, this other star, the closest star, Proxima Centauri, is only one of, a, of approximately 300 billion stars in just our Milky Way galaxy. Jesus spoke, and all of that came into existence. It doesn't matter how big you can think, Jesus created it. Or it doesn't matter how small you can think. Think small. Think subatomic particles, kind of small, all right? Every, everything that we know matter to be is composed of atoms. And every atom has a purpose right down to its unique design of its elements. The hydrogen atom makes up approximately 90% of all of the atoms in the universe. And it, you could place about 5 million hydrogen atoms on the head of a pin. Think about that. Jesus spoke, and every atom, hydrogen or not, came into existence the way that he said it would. It doesn't matter how small you can think. Jesus created it. And that's just the physical stuff. Look at what it says here. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Whether you can see it or not or touch it or not, Jesus created it. Jesus is preeminent. Verse 17 says, in him all things hold together. There is great assurance for us in that phrase. All things hold together through Jesus. When things are falling apart, Jesus holds all things together. If your relationship is breaking down, Jesus holds all things together. If your job is breaking down, Jesus holds all things together. If your health is deteriorating, 
Jesus holds all things together. No matter what is crumbling around you, Jesus holds all things together. Verse 18 reminds us that Jesus is the head of the church. It's not the ministers or the elders or a vicar or an archbishop or a pope. Jesus is the head of the church. And if there is any church that puts anyone or anything ahead of Jesus, you need to run away now. And Jesus is the firstborn among the dead. He is the first to rise with an immortal body. But he's not the last. Those who trust Jesus will also have an immortal body and live forever in heaven with God. So this is Jesus. He is preeminent. He is number one. He is above all things. And the verse is not done. The, the passage is not over. Verses 19 through 23, 23 provide more good news. It says that the one who created everything and holds all things together is before and over creation, the one who lives forever, this same Jesus changes your life. Look at what it says starting in verse 19. For in him, <clears throat> for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you, <clears throat> in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. In verse 19, we see that Jesus was 100% divine, and yet he became 100% human on top of that. Jesus is God in human form. And in verse 20, he restores everything by offering his blood on the cross. He cleared the path to heaven by walking through hell. The punishment that was placed upon him brought us peace. His sacrifice reunites us with God. Verse 21 says that we did things previously that alienated us from God. And against that, verse 22 is like a, a trumpet blast of victory. We look totally different to God now because of Jesus. Now we are, listen to these things, holy we are set apart for God and His purposes. We are blameless. That word is the idea in the Old Testament. The sacrifices that were made had to be pure. They had to be blameless. They had to be without blemish. It's the same concept here. And so you now, because of Jesus, are blameless you are without blemish. When God looks at you, He sees perfection. We are above reproach. That's a legal term that says there is no accusation that will stand against you. And we have confirmation of that in Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34, where it says, Who is he that condemns? 
Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. There is no accusation against followers of Jesus that will stand in God's court. Amen? Well, those are a few truths that we discover from this amazing text. Jesus is all of those things. Jesus does all of those things and more, and it will never change. However, there is an if. Did you catch it? There's an if in verse 23. There's this if clause. It says, if you indeed continue in the faith. Now that sounds like, oh, well that's salvation by works, by what we do. It's not salvation by works. It's salvation that works, that has an action to its faith. As James points out in his letter in chapter 2, when we live out our faith, it blesses us, it benefits us, and it benefits the people who are around us. It moves us and other people into a deeper relationship, a more mature relationship with God. In fact, that's what we see in verse 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may, we may present everyone mature in Christ. So this passage in Colossians is a wonderful testimony about Jesus. It shows His power and His sacrifice and His preeminence. And we need to know these things about Jesus to become mature. But, but, knowing about Jesus is not enough. Listen to these somewhat frightening words from Matthew chapter, 20, or chapter 7, <clears throat> starting in verse 21. Jesus is speaking, and He says, Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of My Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to Me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and cast out demons in Your name and do mighty works in Your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, how is that possible? How can someone who does all of these things in the name of Jesus be prevented from entering into heaven? It's because doing things in the name of Jesus isn't what this is about. Knowing facts about Jesus is not what this is about. Knowing Jesus and being known by Him is what's important. It's a relationship. Think about, think about it. Go back to that list of some of the favorite things in Columbus. Have you experienced some of those things? Have you walked in a park and smelled the beauty of the flowers? Have you been to the Columbus Zoo and seen some of those amazing animals? Maybe even had an opportunity to touch one? Have you heard the bands and seen the floats and the other fun things in a parade, especially the Dublin St. Patrick's Day Parade where we have our VBS? Maybe you've participated in that where we promote our VBS every year. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced the agony of the gutter ball or the joy of the strike at the bowling lane? Often one right after the other? <laughs> have, you, 
Have you tasted the freshly picked, delicious, wholesome food from the farmer's market? Have you savored the wonderful aroma and taste of a perfectly seasoned Chinese meal? Have you enjoyed the fantastic flavor of a fresh donut? See, you can read about them, but experiencing is so much better. And that's the goal. Yes, to know the teachings of Jesus, but to know Him, to understand His character, experience His incomparable love. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. To know something that is beyond knowledge the love of Christ, to experience it in its fullness. Yes, read about Jesus, but even more, walk with Jesus. Experience His presence on a daily basis. Know Him and His love personally and be filled with all of the fullness of God. See, knowing, knowing Jesus is different than knowing about Jesus. Now, I, I know some facts about Urban Meyer. But Jacob and Noah and Chad and Tracy from our church, they know Urban Meyer personally, and Urban Meyer knows them. And there is a world of difference. Do you know Jesus? Not just facts about him. Do you know him? As we watch this inspiring video with the words of the late pastor, S.M. Lockridge, ask yourself this question, do I know Jesus? The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. 
He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't hang him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah. Would you stand? I can't wait to get to heaven and meet that dude. I mean, that is cool. <clears throat> I also am really excited about meeting Jesus face to face. But wow, what a cool thing. Um, as we continue in Luke this summer, <clears throat> I would just encourage you, as we're walking through this series and as we walk through Luke, to... Understand the difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. In Luke, we, we see that Pharisees and ultra-religious, holier-than-thou types of people know all kinds of things about God. But we see people like thieves and sinners, broken people, and people who follow Jesus personally, that they know him. So do you know him? His nature, his character, have you experienced his love? The cross is a reminder of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And right now, as we sing this song, whether it's public or private, here are some things we're going to be singing about 
And I pray that we don't just sing, that these would be things that we do with our hearts, with our feet, with our hands. Come to Jesus. Confess your sin. Bow before Him. Find rest in Him. Admit your need for Him. Thank Him for His grace. Make a commitment to be with Him, to follow Him, to walk with Him, to know Him. Celebrate His love for you. Love that pushed Him to the cross. Love that held Him there. Love for you that will never, ever end. This is Jesus. I wonder, do you know Him?